Amen. And never forget, there may be weeping and sorrow for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And God is going to come one day, and he is going to make all things right. We have joy now. We rejoice. He rejoiced in his suffering, and there was suffering that was involved in his ministry, but there was also stewardship. Verse 25, and I will move more quickly for the sake of time tonight, but of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you. Minister. The word there is actually in the original language, the diakonos, the deacon. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Translated minister. Could be translated servant. The word diakonos could refer to uh, the Acts 6 as they would serve tables. It'd talk about others that they, as they were just simple servants, commonplace servants. Paul doesn't uh, put himself on a pedestal here. He just says, I'm a servant. I'm a minister. He says, God has called me to this. He said, and he has given me a stewardship. Stewardship to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, I'm a steward. I have a stewardship responsibility. Usually when we talk about stewardship, we think about it in physical resources, material resources. We, we used to have years ago, man, it's, I'm starting to date myself and getting, getting a little bit older. I just always remember I'm not as old as Jason. I always think about that. Um, but we used to have stewardship banquets. Y'all ever have stewardship banquets here at Temple? where people would come and they would look at their finances and they might make pledges and all of this. And there was, there was uh, like the idea that we were, we were trying to make sure that we're using our material possessions appropriately for the Lord. Stewardship does apply to our finances, but it applies to everything about us. And the way Paul uses this here is he says, I'm a steward basically of the word, the word of God. I'm a steward of this uh, knowledge, this wisdom. I'm a steward of the gospel. That's what he's saying, is that I am a steward. Now, what was a steward? A steward was one that really owned nothing. I mean, a steward was a person like Joseph. Remember in the Old Testament? Joseph, he was there in Potiphar's house, and he owned nothing. It was all Potiphar's, but he managed it. He utilized it. He was supposed to be utilizing it for what was best for the master and what was best for the people of the house, for the family. That's what a steward was. That's what a steward was in the New Testament. That that person didn't necessarily own anything, but they would use those resources for the good of the master of the house and for the house itself. But Paul takes that term and he, he says, I'm a steward of the gospel. It's like I don't necessarily own it. God gave it to me to manage and I have a responsibility to take that word and to invest it in others, specifically in the church itself. He said, and, and this has been a mystery, he says. Now, there were all kind of mystic religions, just like today. 
even in the New Testament time. And some of the Colossians, they had taken Judaism and the mystic uh, faiths and they had kind of combined them all together and come up with this own eclectic understanding of things. And basically what Paul said is, you don't have to go to mystic religions to try to find answers. He said, there was a mystery, Mysterion, God spoke, but ultimately he showed us. He showed us what? He showed us the absolute truth in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Christ, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, that's really what it is. God's revealed it now for all of us. You and I don't have to um, try to figure it out. We don't have to try to solve some mystery that's out there. God has declared himself through Jesus Christ. And he says, we are stewards to take that message, to take the message that Christ is in you. And notice this, even among the Gentiles who had now been grafted into the family. Most of the Colossian church, I believe most of them were Gentile. And Paul says to them, most of you, you, you were there, you were kind of living a far away, but God has brought you in. And now Christ is in you. That's your hope. That's your assurance, right? Assurance of glory is right there. He said, and we have a, a, a stewardship obligation to declare that to others. And I just say to you and myself tonight that we all have that obligation still. One of the things I think that is haunting Southern Baptists and one of the reasons I think our numbers are going down and down and down is because we have lost the idea of personal evangelism. Today, we leave it more to a professional laity or to, I would say, even professional ministers and maybe a professional laity. The gospel was not to be shared just by preachers. The gospel was to be shared by each and everyone who had come to faith in the Lord Jesus. You know, the reason they expanded so well in the book of Acts is because when people experienced the Lord Jesus, they couldn't keep it in. They just had to tell people about it. Their families, their friends, everybody they came in contact with, they had to tell. And today, it seems like in our churches, especially in our Southern Baptist culture, which has been a culture of evangelism, which was a culture of our parents talking to us about Christ, of friends talking to us about Christ, of, of people, our neighbors talking to us about Christ, that that seems to, that seems to have slid, it slid away some. God has called us once again to know that we have the gift of the gospel, of the word of God, the declared answer of Jesus himself that we can speak to others about. Let me ask you how immoral you would believe this to be. Let's say that there is a huge mansion upon this hill, huge mansion. And all the resources that could ever be thought of had been gathered there in that mansion, had been gathered by this family. And everything else in the community was destitute. I'm not talking about they weren't quite as good as I'm talking about destitute. I'm talking about people starving to death on the streets constantly. Would we not consider it immoral that somebody would have all of that wealth and yet they would not 
share or help their common brother or sister to eat. Most of us would. Most of us, there would be a, a public cry for help. And yet, listen, those of us who know Christ, we know the great riches and wealth of the kingdom. You and I have been lavished with treasures, spiritual treasures. You and I have been given more than anybody could ever imagine. And yet there are people around us that are starving, literally, for the gospel. There are people, as I preached about last week, that are spiritually bankrupt and they are spiritually hungering. For us not to be good stewards of taking what God has given us, the gospel, the wealth, and somehow distributing it to those who are in need would seem to me to be immoral. We are stewards. We must take what God has given us and we must spread it out for the good of those who need Christ. Understand that people really do go to heaven and people really do go to hell. It is reality. And we are the ones who play a part in helping them find their destiny in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul says. He says, we have made known. And then finally, he says, not just his stewardship, but his striving. Verse 29, to this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. He said, I'm going to labor and I'm going to strive. Going to work hard. Man, my dad would be proud of that verse. I'm going to have to go home and give him that one. When I was coming up, my dad, I've shared before with you, he, he, he taught me what a work ethic was. When he would come in in the evenings and his pants would be <laughs> filled with grease and he would smell of sweat and work, I was always reminded, I was always proud of my dad for working hard. And I was always reminded I was called to work hard. If it wasn't through just his appearance, it was through his words. You know, the verses that I learned when I was coming up was, if a man does not work, he does not eat. I learned that before John 3, 16. <laughs> I know some of you say that's bad, but I'm telling you, that's the way it was in my household. There was another verse he quoted all the time. He said, if a man does not provide for his family, he is worse than an infidel. I can't tell you those two verses. If you go and you have a 30 minute conversation, with my dad, he's probably going to come out with those two verses. Because it was about work. We ought to be people who are working. Paul says, I'm going to labor. I'm going to work for the gospel. I'm going to work for the kingdom. And what's beautiful about this, <laughs> you and I don't have to do it on our own. Paul said, I'm going to, I'm going to labor I'm going to work, but what's the reality of my life is God's working in me to be able to accomplish this. Because you and I cannot work, we cannot fulfill what we need to fulfill without the power of God in our lives. He says, he is the one who works in me and works in me mightily. That's a ministry. So let me just say to you tonight. Tonight as we come, we all have ministry. There may be some type of suffering we face 
Let's face it with joy. And when we see the body of Christ persecuted, let's stop and pray for them. Many of us, all of us actually in this place, we have a stewardship responsibility. You've been saved. God holds you accountable to tell others about that salvation. So you know what? Let's fulfill that commitment, that obligation. Let's be stewards for the word of God when we go from this place. Finally, let's strive. Let's do it with everything we got. Hey, let's not do this thing half-heartedly. Let's give it everything. Knowing that he is in us and that he empowers us to do things we never thought we could do. Let's strive for the ministry he's given us. We all have it. Let's be faithful to the call. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for tonight. Thank you for these moments. Thank you for these words. And God, I pray that you'll not just stir us emotionally in this place. I pray you would transform us and change us so that when we go out of here, we look more like you. We come in contact with others tomorrow. We look more like you. And Father, we tell more of you and who you are and what you've done. Again, not because we're trying to pay off a debt, but because we are grateful and we give praise to how you have already paid off that debt. God, help us as a church to continue to be faithful. And now speak to us during this moment of commitment. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?